You're listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Join us on Discord. So today we're going to talk about Rahab, which is actually, um, in many ways, Rahab sounds exactly like Leviathan, the way that it's explained. It's a um, a fleeing serpent in uh, Job 26, so we get this kind of like dragon-like feel to it as well. Isaiah 27 describes Leviathan as a fleeing serpent, so that's where you're like, well, hang on, is Leviathan and Rahab kind of like the same thing? And you honestly could go that way because these are chaos monsters in the Bible. They live off chaos. They thrive off chaos. They are not order. Um, in many ways, they can represent death and Sheol, like the um, the fish dragon of Jonah. If you read Jonah's poem, it's like he was eaten up by death, by Sheol, and then spit out and resurrected back on land. Um, so Leviathan kind of has those overtones to him. Um, but Rahab sounds very much described in a, a similar way. Now, with Leviathan, when you go through other cultures and try to figure out if Leviathan exists in other cultures, Leviathan's pretty easy to find. In the Bale cycle, there's a, a creature called Lighten, uh, which is Ugaritic for Leviathan. So that's all the more reason you can tell Leviathan is kind of coming out of an, another religion from a Ugaritic religion. Um, whereas Rahab, we don't really seem to find that name very much throughout other ancient cultures, at least with our current archaeological studies. So we don't know fully what mythology that's coming from. Just that Rahab in meaning and language rhymes with Leviathan. They feel very similar to each other. Um there's so there's no names in any ancient mythologies that we have on record, uh, but we do have. Uh, I'm trying to remember how my pages get messed around here, but we do have it, it very similar in some ways. Um, one of the things that's interesting, though. Give me a second here. When I, originally, <laughs> when I originally made my kaiju book, I, I was trying so hard to um, give it a lot of Japanese spin, so you had to read backwards, and Amazon was like, you may not publish this, sir. <laughs> so I had to tweak everything all over again. I'm trying to remember which PDF I'm looking at and if it's backwards or not. So there's there's two big um, two big theological themes that come up in the Bible in all ancient, a lot of ancient cultures. One of them is known as chaos kampf. It's a German word, uh, a theological word in, in the German language that is more or less imagine two kaiju fighting, two giant monsters, two giant gods fighting. And um, as they are fighting, the world is then brought into creation through their violence. Uh, That's one theme. Another one is cosmogony, uh, is the idea that the entire cosmos is created 
as these kind of creatures are fighting and dying and being turned into things. So when you look at other ancient creation stories, one of the things that you're going to see is the gods fight and they kill each other and their bodies turn into things. Uh, so like eyes might be turned into outlets for rivers to flow out of areas and and weird things like that. Like that was just ancient culture, which is all the more interesting that when the Hebrews, when they're trying to explain who Yahweh is and they're writing their own story, they're like, we don't need any chaos comp. We don't need any cosmogony. God didn't need to fight things in order to create stuff. He just speaks and it is created. So they have it very differently in their own thing. But in other stories, you're going to find... Um, things that feel similar to to uh, stories of Rahab or Leviathan where there's these dragon-like gods who are more or less like um, destroyed, like Tiamat, which you'll find in games like D&D and things like that. Tiamat's body will be destroyed and then turned into the world. So uh, in an old ancient creation story, the body of dead Tiamat is split like a fish and is dried into two halves and the bottom half becomes the land and the top half uh, becomes the sky and then they take Tiamat's spit and they turn it into clouds and uh, they uh, the gods just kind of like worked within the bodies of other destroyed gods to create things. Again, the one true God doesn't have to do any of that. He just speaks. All right, I want water. Uh, I want rivers. I want land. I want creation. I want animals. He speaks, and it all comes to be. Um, which shows, too, though, when our Bible is referencing other creatures like Rahab and Leviathan, who are traditionally known to be in battles, um, when God is making mention of them, like God... God is not afraid of them. God is stronger than them. He's bigger than them. He just, his his strength isn't even in having to fight these creatures. His strength is in just speaking and and they have to obey. So you're going to see an interesting uh, psalm where we see Rahab. And Rahab sounds very much uh, like God is using Rahab's body to create the world. Um, just as other cultures would have. So listen to this psalm and see if you can catch it. If you're looking at my shared screen, you'll see some words I bold along the way that kind of make it make sense. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. So stretching out, this is like as though you were taking Tiamat's body and stretching it out to create something. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon. He spreads out over it. His cloud is inscribed a circle on the face of the waters. His boundary between light and darkness, pillars of heaven tremble, are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. So Psalm 40, or no, sorry, this is Job 26. Um, Job 26 really feels like uh, these stories where uh, the gods were destroyed and turned into things, except Job, instead of having some other god destroying gods, it's just 
God is the one who created everything, so he's the one that's uh, destroying all of the all of his enemies and and using their bodies to go on to create the world and things like that. That's not the way that Genesis describes God as creating the world, but it's the way that Job describes God creating the world. Uh, the Bible actually has kind of several different creation stories. And even the creation story is retold a few times in the first opening chapters of Genesis, and the details don't all line up the same way. So you can tell that part of part of our creation stories, like, they're not trying to be literal. They're not just like on the first day, God literally did this and it took him one literal day to do that. The Bible writers are working off of other people's kinds of stories and then they're putting spins on them to teach theology. So yeah, Eoz split Tiamat in half. No, not really. It's actually God. If any anything's being split in half and its body used to create the world, it's Yahweh. He's the one who's doing the splitting. You know, so they're they're kind of mo- mocking uh, other people's stories and inserting Yahweh into them to show how much greater he is than Marduk, than Baal, than Tiamat, than Rahab, than Leviathan, than all these things. So, and you even kind of see that sort of at the beginning of uh, the Bible. Um, God hovers over the face of the deep. Some scholars like to point out that the Hebrew word for the deep actually is very similar to other languages and how we get to Tiamat. So it's almost like God hovered over the face of Tiamat right at the beginning of the Bible is one of the ways people occasionally see that chaos comp and cosmogony in Genesis. Um, as God comes and slays Rahab and creates out of that. So if we were to continue, well, let me pause there for a moment. I know I'm a little all over the place. I apologize for that. Uh, Any questions or thoughts or comments so far? I was going to say, I will say uh, that, that a lot of this too, in a lot of the versions, there's kind of uh, hypostases in the sense of multiple iterations of the same being. Um, where, like uh, in in the in the um, Ugaritic, you have the Yom and Judge Nahar, which are kind of similar, uh, related, just like Leviathan and Rahab would be related in that regard. It's the same being, but like uh, iterations of them like lesser there's like lesser iterations of the very same being you know um and so you'll see that a lot with this with the chaos serpent stuff yep 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 because the stories they sometimes vary you know like leviathan i don't know it's just like they're they always seem to be there for like a theological point they're not always like a coherent story passage by passage um there's kind of different like iterations of them. Cause sometimes they're even pictured as a different kind of chaos. Like I think it's Rahab who is likened to Egypt as though, as though Rahab is yeah. Egypt's um, 
like team mascot, you know? <laughs> um, no, it is. It, you're right. That's yeah. what I was kind of getting at is that they're almost like there's lesser subversions. Yeah. And so a lot of times what I found, because I find the same thing in Hebrew stuff where you'll see different names. And when you see a different name, and honestly, that's kind of how the whole thing is with Nephilim and Rephaim and giants, you know, I mean, you got these all, they all kind of mean similar things. But what happens is they use the different words and you start looking at when they're using a different word, is it for a purpose? You start wondering, because I mean, you do the same thing too with sometimes it's holy ones, sometimes it's watchers, sometimes it's, you know, angels or well, now that's more New Testament when it switched to that. But you know what I mean? Like you just, you start to learn to pay attention to the words and say, does this mean, what are they going at when they say, when they repeat it? but say a different word the second time. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that with Rahab too. So sometimes Rahab, Rahab is a like giant dragon creature that God slayed to create the world with. Other times Rahab is a, a creature of chaos, but it's not mythical. It's actually like the God of Egypt. So uh, as I was just saying, as Anthony was just saying, like, um, yeah, Rahab gets pictured as Egypt itself. Egypt becomes chaos against Israel and against God, and yet God slays Egypt um, to free his people from the chaos that's coming at them. So you continue to see these mythical creatures kind of used in different lights. It'd be the same if maybe we were to say... Uh, I'm trying to think of a modern-day example. Is there any, like... Uh, modern day examples where or any idioms we use to describe war as like uh, monsters or anything like that uh, the most I can think at the moment is like you have your team mascots and like all kinds of sports so like if I were to say that the Wolverine conquered the Spartan uh, we would all understand, you know, what that means within Michigan terms. Um, but yeah, it, it, general, general, generally, whenever Rahab or Leviathan show up, they represent bad kind of stuff within the Hebrew canon. As to what they represent can vary. Uh, so Isaiah 51 is going to get into talks of Rahab as well. And says that God cut Rahab up into pieces and pierced the dragon. And was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea away for the redeemed to pass over? So that right there is Rahab was the chaos monster that was Egypt. And yet God slayed it so that Israel could just walk right over the Red Sea. Um and then in that same passage, you also see that God stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, which is creation talk. So again, Rahab is mentioned in the same kind of breath as the world being created. You also go to Jeremiah, um, where it says, The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens when he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from his storehouses. So, like, that's a that's another phrase right there where um, Jeremiah is, like, intent on saying, look, you all have these kind of feelings about 
all these different creator gods, but there's really only one creator God, and he just uses his own wisdom to do it. All the other gods didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, and you can kind of keep following it on. Psalms is going to liken Rahab to Egypt. Uh, Isaiah is going to talk about um, you talk about it as well. And you can just keep following that. Now, again, the the final passage you're going to get into that's going to have things reminding us of dragons and Leviathan and Egypt, that's all going to be, sorry, well, yeah, okay. The final passage you get into that reminds you of chaos and Leviathan and Rahab and Egypt and dragons is at the end of the whole Bible. And John, as I have said a million times on uh, when we're teaching Revelation on the Jackson Cloud, John is all about taking all of the scriptures, throwing it in a blender, turning it on high, and then just drinking the smoothie of scriptures and spitting it back out in all kinds of ways for us to see. And what John loves to do is he brings in all the mythical dragon imagery and he represents it as chaos. Leviathan, Rahab, they were often likened with water. And so they're seen as like a beast coming out of the sea. And it has seven heads, just like Isaiah said that Leviathan had. And it just represents like the fullness of chaos in the ocean rising up. Just as we'll see next week, Behemoth represents the fullness of chaos on the land rising up. And the idea is that this this uh, new Egypt that you find... Like there's so much chaos and turmoil and God's people again are being oppressed by Leviathan, Rahab, Egypt, uh, that God in Revelation brings about new plagues that echo Egypt in order to once again slay Rahab once and for all and free his people. Indeed, Isaiah said that like that that's a that's the day where God will run Leviathan through with uh, um with his sword and Leviathan behemoth and the dragon that is Satan in revelation uh, are almost pictured in revelation as an unholy dragon Trinity of sorts that the whole world worships rather than the true Trinity that Christians worship. Uh, They have their claws in everything. And so when we look at the beast and we look at the way dragons are pictured throughout the Bible, we get this sense that, yes, they are mythical creatures, that, yes, they are representative creatures, that, yes, maybe you could say that they were real creatures that somebody saw at that time, though that one hasn't been a super convincing view to me. Um, But while they represent a whole lot of stuff, they are also biblically very real. And that's why eventually you have Jesus saying that God has created the lake of fire for um, Satan and his angels. It's because all this dragon-like, chaos-like, Egypt-like stuff has an end date where it's slain for good. And Revelation shows all of that rising up to try to fight God and him just um, speaking with the words of his mouth. That's why Jesus always has a sword in his mouth in Revelation. It's not because Jesus is walking around and stabbing people. It's just... His words, just like he created the world through his words. So Jesus will take things out of the world with his words. His words are his judgment. His words are his sword. 
And that's all he ever needed in the beginning, and that's all he'll ever need in the end. Uh... So there you go. I know that's a little all over the place. Rahab, to understand Rahab and Leviathan, you actually have to go like beyond the Bible into a lot of ancient culture stuff. And that's probably confusing for me to just spew out right here in a few minutes. So any thoughts or feelings as we wrap up or questions and so on? I got one last little thing that's kind of an interesting tidbit if you have your eyes open for it. Um... Just as like it's interesting, you know, because you have Rahab being like a a, a lesser type of Leviathan, you know, mm. uh, like a mini me kind of thing. Um, and then similar though, and you have it related to Egypt. But um, sorry, sorry, my phone went off there. You have uh, Egypt as a uh, slightly reduced. You know what I'm saying? Is a mini me Babylon. It is a type, a, a lesser type of Babylon, yeah. As well, biblically. So interesting. Then you see the connection with the lesser Rahab and Leviathan. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. So, are you saying like Babylon would be a good example of like Leviathan and Rahab would be a good example of Egypt? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but you'll see Egypt is used whenever it's used. There are times it's called Babylon. There are times that it's, yeah. but Babylon is the great evil. But still, uh, uh, or sorry, still Egypt will be used as as a type of evil. But if ever the two are together, it's a lesser evil and it's a type of Babylon. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, same, similar thing. Same thing with the Rahab thing. You know, yeah, that's a great point because Babylon used together. Rahab is lesser and a type of Leviathan, but mm. but. They're used kind of interchangeably all. And to that point, you can kind of establish that to a whole lot of different things within, especially Revelation, is, yeah, there is a coming Antichrist, but there already are Antichrists, you know? Like, there is an ultimate Antichrist that will one day come to power, but, you know, like examples of people like Hitler, like, that already was an antichrist. That's exactly um, what it means to live antichrist and to lead people into antichrist ways. So you see... Yes, very good. You're hitting it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that same thing where it's like um, there are multiple Babylons. Mm. Egypt was one. Mm. And Egypt will be held up as a type on occasion still as, as a comparison. But the greater type is Babylon. Like... Uh, Babylon was never used as a type of Egypt. Egypt was of Babylon. Uh, You know what I mean? You'll never see Leviathan used as a type of Rahab. Rahab will only ever be used as a type of Babylon. Or I mean uh, Leviathan, you know? And that's fair because even within Babylon, you know, Revelation talks about Babylon all the time, which is funny because Babylon didn't exist anymore. It had already already, uh, gone down in history as a a failed kingdom. Uh, so obviously when John was writing about Babylon, he was writing about Rome, that Rome is a type of Babylon. And when you see America perfectly fit into so many images of John's Babylon, you realize that (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, America then runs its course. uh, You know, I was one of the more resistant people with the, uh, nationalism and all that. Like, I don't want to connect the two, Mm -hmm. but I'm also, very patriotic or you know raised that way but i realize that the ultimate statement of the bible is that 
do support your nation and all these things, do pray for the good and work for the good and all these things, you know, let even told them to do that directly to Babylon during their captivity. But to the degree that your nation is Babylon in, in concept, in wickedness, you know, you are not a citizen of that nation primarily. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And to the degree that your nation is Babylon is to the degree that you are distant from it, is the degree that you are distinct from it. And that's where the patriotism ends and your your faith begins. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in that general synopsis when we did our series on Daniel. So a bunch of you will kind of remember some of those themes. Um, but yeah, that's that's all a good point. The Bible is full of cycles over and over and over again. Revelation is just like a... It's a perfect portrait of all the cycles. Like Revelation has already happened many times um, throughout the last 2,000 years. Much of Revelation happened even within John's own time of writing it and then consistently repeated itself. There is an ultimate Leviathan moment that comes where chaos is just completely unleashed on the world, and that's when God says... Okay, enough is enough. This is out of control and everyone's hearts are too hard and no one's coming to me anymore. So the means of grace um, aren't going to win people over. Like Revelation constantly pictures that as like God's end game. Like when are people going to be so hardened that they don't listen anymore? That's when I'll stop sharing the gospel and come back. Um, so Revelation is a portrait of the ultimate cycle of cycles of chaos finally taking over and God saying enough is enough. Uh, that being said, I think we're still a far way away from that kind of chaos, but that's just me. Um, all right, I've got to get ready for my class, so we'll do some more gaming. Um, there's a possibility of some of us either doing a movie at 9.50 or maybe grabbing B-dubs, if not that. So let me know and let me pray us out. God, we thank you for a chance to talk and kind of lean into some of these interesting portraits that the Bible has. Um, and if anything, let us realize that in the mere mention of things like Rahab that go completely over our head when we're reading the Bible without any context, that we can know that the Bible actually has some really significant things to say on things that just completely go over our head. And that we should pause while we're reading our Bibles and say, I wonder what that actually meant. And then read and and see how we can learn something new about you. Because the point in all these passages isn't Rahab. We're not here to glorify Rahab or or um, to find ourselves just wanting to, to know so much more about Rahab. What we're learning is when people take um, their cultures and subject it to God, what happens? What does God look like? What is good theology? And time and time again, um, all throughout the Bible, the good theology we learn about the other mythical beings out there is God is greater than them. Though the world might be afraid of Leviathan and Rahab, God is not. Uh, though the world might think that chaos is out of control, God uh, has it on a leash and can just pierce it with a sword. He is not afraid of it. Um, that when the Egypts of our lives are coming for us and we feel under the oppression of Rahab, God is actually capable of splitting the waters to free us. Um, and that when the whole world feels like it's collapsing around us, God is big enough to um, handle it and 
and step into it. He does not need help, and he can create all things by his own strength and will and desire, and uh, um, nothing can get in his way. So, God, we praise you, and we thank you that uh, um, you have brought us to you, and we ask that you would warm our hearts to warm others' hearts, that they might come to you too. In Jesus' name, amen.